what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and I know this pod is a little late. Well, very late as we head into the NFL week three at hand come Sunday and Monday as we hit, as I record this on Saturday, September 24th. But wanted to get this out the way. Uh, my week in particular has been a little bit hectic on my end with work and Everything else in between, I also strained my back, which really sucks because I feel it everywhere I go, whether it's sitting down or going in and out of the car, but I strained my back from ball, played some golf too the other day, played some ball today, and uh, right now, I'm, yeah, I'm on some ibuprofen right now, but hopefully in the next couple days, um, I should feel back to normal. If anything, it's an indication that I'm getting a little bit older, so. But anyway, you guys don't care about me. Let's talk about the NFC West at hand. And shoot, it's only, I mean, it's only been a couple weeks into the season, but when you look at the landscape of the NFC West, I mean, holy shit. So, (laughs) um, you have the Niners and the Seahawks. The Cardinals and the Rams, they're all tied up at one, one, 500 apiece. And what makes this division particularly interesting now is just, um, well, uh, let's just, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, the quarterback position for the Niners. So the Niners, they, well, they took care of business at home. Seahawks Niners last week. Dominated the Seahawks pretty much in every category except for special teams because uh, they gave up, well, block field goal and then the Seahawks ran it in for a defensive touchdown. But the Niners took care of business 27-7. to They won the battle. Did they win the war? The long-term war at hand for the franchise? Trey Lance, early on in this game, I think it was, what, the second quarter, um might have been even earlier than that but you know a quarterback between the tackles run he is a mobile quarterback okay I know that everyone is very much critical of that uh, especially with the play calling but you know he did a well a quarterback run between the tackles and just a gnarly play where he got tackled between two Seahawk defenders his ankle got caught up and Next thing you know, they had to bring the card out. I was watching this game in real time. And I, I thought it was just a hard hit. I thought it'd be okay. But once they've got the card out and I saw his ankle, I just, yeah, you knew. It was, it was pretty bad. And so he was carted off the field. And it is, um, well, I mean, there's been some rumors that he might come back this season. But it remains to be seen because he, he broke his ankle pretty gnarly freak injury and you know this is a kid that doesn't have that much football experience per se in terms of starts passing attempts everything else that you want to get out and see what you have in the kid in college he had a COVID year you know had one start for North Dakota State last year he was it was a bit of a red shirt year for the Niners as you know he was put into some packages but only had two starts as they were in win now mode they still are, by the way. Uh, but this was his year going into his second year to be the first time starter for the San Francisco Niners franchise. And so, yeah, they, they lose potentially another season of Trey Lance and his development. 
Um, so he'll go into year three. I think he'll be 23 years old by then. And so you feel for the kid. You feel for this franchise because, you know, as you go into week, not week three, as you go into year three, you just don't know what you have under sender with Trey Lance. Now, hopefully it works out. I mean, you know, Bay Area, Clay Thompson, he had to go through his rehab. I know it's a big mental hurdle. And not saying it's the same capacity as Trey Lance. Dak Prescott had a very similar injury, bounce back, but it took some time for him as well. And so you can go with the speculatory, but up to this point, we don't know. And you can point fingers about Kyle Shanahan, should he have read him as much, you know, pointing fingers at the results. But, you know, my personal feelings about it, I'm okay with it. I know that no one likes the results. No one likes seeing Trey Lance get hurt. He got hurt last year. Uh, But the fact of the matter is he is a mobile quarterback. They drafted him for his mobile duality under center. And as they develop Trey, they're also in a win-now mode with the current roster for the team. And so, you know, he's not all there as a passer. He's getting better. He's made strides. You saw that from time to time with flashes with some really good throws against the Bears. Uh, albeit, you know, the weather wasn't all ideal in the in the monsoon. And he had two starts under his belt the previous year. Uh, one against the Texans. Uh, and then the other, well, and the Cardinals game. Yeah, that's right. The Texans and, and the Cardinals game. So you've seen flashes, but, you know, he's not all there yet as a passer. And I can understand Walsh Shanahan, who is win now, by the way, wanted to use his mobility because they, at least for Kyle Shanahan's uh, point of view, it gave the Niners the best chance to win, to mesh that duality with the rest of the roster. Um have a speedy recovery tray. It's rough. I know. Everyone's mad. But on the flip side, for that game, uh, and this is just like, you want to watch a, a show on HBO, you want some drama, look no further than the Niners because, you know, there was controversy about the Niners retaining Jimmy Garoppolo for $6 million with a lot of incentives. And up to this rate, he's going to get every incentive because... Jimmy Garoppolo came in, warmed up, and the next thing you know, they had their first touchdown with a nice, what, 42, 45-yard corner route to Ross Dwelly, tight end. The crowd went wild. Jimmy smiled, and it was just so weird to watch. (laughs) It was so weird to watch. It was so weird to see Jimmy throw on the outside and sling it for that matter. But, yeah, man. Uh, the Niners had two touchdowns, one to Dwelly, one rushing touchdown, ironically, by Jimmy Garoppolo on the goal line. And they, they took care of business, 27-7. to This was a game where, you know, for the Seahawks, for all intents and purposes, they, they kind of came back to earth after their big emotional victory the previous week against the Broncos. And... You know, Geno Smith, he, he, he threw a couple picks. Um, you know, he couldn't get – they got put in a pretty tough position when they got down, I think, what, 20-0 to zero at halftime. Um, and, yeah, it was uh, it was a tough sledding for the Seahawks, uh, a Seahawks franchise that has usually dominated the Niners. 
And I was expecting a, a closer matchup anyways, just because, well, I mean, with Trey under center and a couple other things at hand, like, I didn't know, uh, I didn't expect a blowout like this, but uh, this game got out of hand rather quickly. This Niners defense took care of business, and onwards we go. So the Seahawks are 1-1, one one, the Niners are 1-1. One one. On the flip side, if you look at the other side of California, Southern California, the Rams had hosted the Falcons, and the you know, the Rams came out with a victory. Great expected, uh, but this was another eyebrow razor, I suppose, because they won the game, but they won the game not in dominant fashion, especially against this Falcons team. Not, nah, they're not a good team. They won 31-27. to This was a game where, you know, once again, Matthew Stafford threw for, well, he threw a couple picks. He leads the league. I think he leads the league. I'm pretty sure. He leads the league in interceptions. He's got five picks through two games, and they had a punt blocked um, late, and so the Falcons actually had a chance to come back and not only tie, but win this game. Obviously, you look at the box score, 31-27. But doesn't matter. The end result is a dub. Thank you to Jalen Ramsey, cornerback one, shutdown corner, old pro. You know it. Uh, he had a timely pick when it counted in the fourth quarter. And onwards they go. It's another thing to note about this team as well is, you know, you saw a little bit more Cam Akers after the first game of the season where he had three carries for zero yards. Seriously, zero yards. Um, Didn't do so hot that time around. It was good to see that the the allocation of carries was a little bit more split. Uh, Daryl Henderson had a touchdown. But, uh, yeah, it was a much more balanced uh, effort by this Rams rushing offense. And just just overall, I mean, when, when you think about this Rams team, I mean, this was a must-win, kind of a gimme game anyways against an inferior Falcons team, but it makes you sweat a little bit to see how close of a game that, that is. And I know that you don't necessarily give style points for, for victories because a win is a win, but it does make you uh, a little bit concerned. Daryl Henderson had 10 carries. Akers had 15 carries. Um... Our boy Cooper Cup, once again, 11 catches, 108 yards, two touchdowns, a beast. And it was nice to see Allen Robinson finally get some love. Four catches, 53 yards, and a touchdown. So, good victory for the Rams. It just uh, Hopefully they clean up a couple things. And I'm looking at you, Matthew Stafford, on the turnovers. Not good. Last but not least, how can we not talk about this? It was arguably, if not the biggest comeback in Cardinals franchise history, the Raiders, Las Vegas, they were hosting the Cardinals. They were up 23-0 to at halftime. The Raiders were up 23, my apologies, nope, 20. They were up 20-0 to at halftime. And all the fingers we're being pointed across at Cliff Kingsbury, at Kyler Murray. Uh, it was looking pretty bad. But they won. <laughs> they won. <laughs> they won 29-23. to 23. Uh, This was a game where Devontae Adams, the Raiders franchise wide receiver, he was limited to two catches. Two catches. Uh, two catches for 12 yards. I'm a touchdown included. 
this was a game where, I mean, shout out to Vance Joseph, but nearly shut out the Raiders in the second half. Uh, this was a game where they got this game into overtime. It was 15-23 late. It took two two-point conversions. I'm sure you guys have seen the highlights. Kyler Murray had a two-point conversion that lasted, like, I don't know, an hour, uh, infinity tell. He was in the pocket for, like, 21 seconds, and he ran it in for the two-point conversion to allow them to go to overtime, to allow them to kick a punt. Hunter Renfro garnered the punt, and then he fumbled it, and Byron Murphy returned it all the way to the house for a touchdown for a triumphant 29-23 to victory. If they lost that game, as they were projected to, especially being down 20-0, to all chaos would ensue for this Cardinals team that didn't play so hot the previous week. But it didn't matter. 1-1, one one, the NFC West is now tied. Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals, Niners, they're all 1-1 one one right now. Really good stuff. And so it makes you wonder, you know, is that the momentum that the Cardinals needed to catapult their season? I know it's only two weeks in. For the Niners, now you have Jimmy G under center. You can make a case that, you know, this is the same quarterback that has been with your team for the last five seasons. The same quarterback that has taken you to NFC Championship games, a Super Bowl trip. They have been right there in the mix. And you can make a case that they might be more ready now with him under center than, than Trey Lance. And obviously, I know that Trey Lance is the future, but, you know, if you're a Niner veteran, you got to feel so much confidence to have the quote-unquote backup under center now with Jimmy Garoppolo. Rams, same the course. Obviously, they have a couple things to clean up, but right in the mix, it's still early in the season. And then you have the Seahawks right now. They're, I mean, last week was pretty bad, but, you know, 500, everyone's tied in the uh, division. So let's go ahead and talk about week three at hand. It makes my life a lot easier because for Sunday, uh, you have two games in the NFC West at 125 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with the Cardinals and the Rams. So let's go ahead and talk about that. And then you have the Falcons at Seattle. And then you have Sunday night football with the Niners going to mile high against Russell Wilson. Let's ride Broncos. So yeah, first NFC West matchup at hand. The Rams going to Arizona as road favorites. The Cardinals are home dogs. They're coming off a triumphant victory. But this is a Rams team that has typically had the Cardinals number time and time again. Um, the Rams, they're favored by three and a half. The over-under is 48 and a half. And as you guys saw, Kyler Murray in the playoffs where he had one of his worst games, especially on, on the national scene. But the, the Rams dominated the Cardinals in the postseason. So what can we expect this time around at Glendale? Three and a half, three and a half. Uh, you know, both teams are flawed, as you as you saw. I mean, the Rams, they got to clean up their offense. They got to play more sound football. Matthew Stafford has noted that, you know, he is his own biggest critic. He needs to clean a couple things up. 
he can't always have Cooper Cup. He needs to diversify this offense. Um, it sucks, though. Van Jefferson, their second-year player, uh, just got announced that he got put on IR. I believe he had knee injuries. Uh, but, you know, they're going to have to rely on, you know, Allen Robinson, Tyler Higby, a couple other guys to get it going. Hopefully Cam Akers can take a step forward in the right direction. They can run the ball more consistently. Uh, on the flip side for the Arizona Cardinals on offense, Kyler Murray and this offense gets in, as you saw, 20-0 halftime Raiders last game. Uh, they can't get in a funk early on. They get in these... Really, it's annoying. Uh, They get in these big holes early on, and they come back. They make it a game, but they're not always going to be so lucky. Uh, James Conner, last game, had an ankle injury. He's slated to play. Uh, But, you know, no DeAndre Hopkins. They need to spread the ball. Marquise Hollywood-Brown. You have A.J. Green, James Conner. You have... You know, Benjamin, I mean, Zach Ertz at tight end. You have a couple pieces to really uh, get this offense to go. And Kyler Murray, for all intents and purposes, he is the franchise quarterback. But, you know, you can't always rely on him and his legs to get you out of a rut. They need to get this offense going sooner than later. They can't always rely on the Raiders to get them out the hole. Ah, oh. Um so these are two teams that not have that have not been playing their best brand of football, um, and that's why I guess the the spread is three and a half, one way for the Rams because historically they have had the better hand. Uh, when I look up at this matchup, you know Jalen Ramsey coming off a really solid performance uh, with that game winning interception against the Falcons, but. You know, uh, I'll be intrigued to see you know, the matchup that I want to see is Zach Ertz. I want to say against Jalen Ramsey. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they put Jalen Ramsey all over the field. I, I'm really intrigued to see if the Cardinals are able to get Zach Ertz more involved in the passing game. Um, this Rams, their, their linebackers, coverage-wise, they're okay. Uh, that would be the matchup to exploit. Uh, then on the flip side, this Cardinals... Secondary, I know it played better second half against the Raiders, but between Marco Wilson, Byron Murphy, and, and Co., it's not a good secondary, uh, notably their quarterbacks. And so Cooper Cup, I'm looking at you. He's coming off another triumphant fantasy football-friendly stat line against the Falcons. You know, expect something similar. Uh, he used to be able to kill, kill the Cardinals secondary. So that should be a lot of fun. In the trenches, run game is important for, for both teams. Uh, they need to get James Conner involved. Conversely, the Rams, they got to continue to pound the rock and set themselves up for play action because that is what makes Matthew Stafford go and not get forced into these mundane sort of turnovers that he's shown the last couple of weeks. So having said that, do I think the Cardinals can one-up and take control with their matchup against the Rams? I'm not so. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. Give me the Rams. Um, twenty-seven, twenty-one, right at the over/under forty and a half. Twenty-seven, twenty-one, Rams. I think they'll do just enough, break away, and come out with the victory. Unless Kyler Murray does some some more crazy shit, which is totally possible, totally possible. But we shall see. All right. 
same time frame, 125, you have two, well, the Rams beat the Falcons. Now the Falcons go to Seattle. Okay, so the Falcons at Seahawks. The Seahawks, it's pretty much a pick em. Seahawks are coming off a pretty bad loss. Seahawks are favored by one, and it's interesting to note because typically if all teams are considered equal and evenly matched, you usually give the home team three points at home. So Seattle's favored by just one, over under 42. What to make of this Seahawks team, okay? You had a an enthused, inspired Seattle team, Geno Smith. Beat the Broncos straight up, Monday Night Football. It was great. And then you saw that same Geno Smith and this offense pretty much lay an egg against the Niners. And so I think this, I mean, I know that they're not projected to be one of the better teams in the NFL, but they're probably somewhere in the middle. Um, You know, for the Seahawks team, I mean, they can't get down so early like they did against the Niners because their biggest asset for the Seattle Seahawks team is what Pete Carroll loves to do, but it's hard when you're down multiple scores, but it's running the football. Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, potentially are one of the better running back duos in this league. But if you're down from behind so early on, you have to abandon the run game and you have to rely on Geno Smith. And that's not a good recipe for success, okay? Uh, This Falcons team, they're rebuilding... Their defense isn't all there, and, you know, it's not the same pass rush as the Niners. Um, this this front seven can be had. They need to run the ball consistently. They got to take advantage of the 12s at home. They got to move the chains, get that T.O.P., and limit the Falcons and their passing game because, you know, I know it's not, it's not the Chiefs, but they have two targets in particular that are young, aspiring, and can certainly make plays. Drake London, kid from USC, he had a day at home, a little homecoming at SoFi Field against the Rams. Um, You know, he's been a target monster for the Falcons, and I'm sure that they're going to continue to throw to him again because the Seattle secondary, it's still very green. You know, between Kobe Bryant, Willie, um, Sidney Jones, it's, you know, a rather green group. And so Drake, Drake London is going to be the guy to look at. Um, but another thing that I'm really intrigued to see is Jordan Brooks, their heralded linebacker that is essentially replacing Bobby Wagner. But is he going to match up against the Falcons' star tight end? And that is second-year player Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts for at least up to this point, he's, he has none shit. Um, I haven't been in several fantasy football leagues, and I haven't been happy. Last week, what, three catches for, what, 20 yards? Nothing too great. But I guess on the flip side, you can say that he's due for a breakout game, and this might be the game for him to break out. Um, The Seahawks' coverage, their linebackers, not a bad group, but they need to make that a point of emphasis because I know that Kyle Pitts will be prioritized a lot more this week than weeks past. Overall, I, I mean, just going back to the fundamentals. They're at home. They have a much better run game. Uh, albeit, Corderell Patterson is a, I won't say a Debo Samuel, but, you know, former wide receiver. He's got some juice as, at, at the running back position. 
watch out for him. But, you know, the Seahawks should be able to contain this Falcons offense for the most part. But they can't do anything stupid. They can't get this game. They can't get in a hole. They can't force themselves to abandon the run. They need to play good, sound Seattle Seahawks football. And if they do that, I think they come out with the victory. So, let's put it out there. Um, Give me the Seahawks. It can go either way, honestly. Um, 2017. 2017 Seattle. Tight one. But I think at the end of the day, their defense, their run game, controlling the clock, they should be able to get it done, especially at home. And it will be a good rebound for them because... That game to Seattle it was probably their worst. They're probably in the middle. They're probably in the middle. Okay. Last but not least, let's go ahead and wrap it up with Sunday Night Football. And this game was supposed to be, still is, but this game was supposed to be very interesting on paper where you have an aspiring mobile quarterback in Trey Lance going against the mobile quarterback in the NFC West that was cooking for all those years and Russell Wilson. But, no, you have Jimmy Garoppolo in. Jimmy Garoppolo and the Snyder's team on the road. They are favored by one at Denver, over under 44. And when you looked at this game on the schedule, you thought that this would be, uh, at least for the Broncos' sake, a lot more spicy. I thought the Broncos would actually be favored in in this one. But the Broncos, they're coming off off a, a victory, don't get me wrong. They're one and one as well. But Russell Wilson in this offense did not look good against the Houston Texans last week. Uh, this was a team that continued to stall with their new head coach and Nathan Hack Nathaniel Hackett. Um, going back to details on how to execute a game plan. They have uh, they've had several blunders with delay of games and timeouts and everything else aside on the coaching end. But they have an opportunity on Sunday night football, especially with Russell Wilson. To clean it up, and for him, um, for Hackett's sake, to get this team back on track, for Russell Wilson to get this team back on track, because Russell Wilson has consistently had the Niners number. But this time around, it's going to be in the orange and navy blue versus the um, navy blue and neon green. Um, yeah, no, I mean, this is a really cool game in the sense that, you know, general manager of the Niners, John Lynch, Adam Peters, uh, just... Well, obviously the Shanahan's, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, there's a lot of former relationships between San Francisco and Denver. On the flip side, you know, DJ Jones, defensive tackle, former Niner. Um, there's several players that are from the Niners. K1 Williams, the former nickelback that had played for Kyle Shanahan all those years. Uh, yeah, it seems like both sides have done business, um, that both players and personnel back and forth so they know each other very well just the shanahan's mike shannon kyle shannon denver i mean it's you get what i'm saying onwards okay so when i look at this Niners team jimmy garoppolo is now under center and obviously this is like the best sort of backup you could have because he's been the starter for all those years anyways but it's still not going to be so easy or at the very least i'm intrigued to see how the play calling is going to go for Kyle Shanahan because he's just spent just imagine it you've been trying to moving you've been trying to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo this whole offseason you've been trying to trade for his ass he wasn't even in preseason he didn't even travel with them in preseason 
but miraculously, he remains on the roster. But what are they going to do with the play calling? Because this whole playbook was dedicated to a mobile quarterback in Trey Lance. And as you guys saw in the game with the Niners against Seattle, when Jimmy G was under center, he did a lot of things that you don't typically see out of Jimmy G. He had a lot of, uh, a lot of aggressive throws on the outside. And you had him do a couple quarterback runs and options as well. And Kyle Shanahan alluded to, you know, given the sake of time, that game plan was predicated on a Trey Lance game plan. So now they have a whole week to give it some time, to let it simmer, to understand that this game plan has been adjusted back to Jimmy G. Will they allow Jimmy G to... I don't know, open it up and take a couple more shots like they did with Trey Lance. Obviously, they're different quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo had alluded on the presser during the week that, hey, he, he would love to have the opportunity to cook some more. Um, will we see that happen? Will we see a uh, more opening up of the offense? Or will it be, and mind you, this is not a bad recipe for success. Will you see Jimmy Garoppolo continue to do Jimmy G things for the Snyder's team? Shout out to George Kittle. He's been out the last couple weeks. He is buddies with George, I'm sorry, with Jimmy G. And so he's back to make his season debut. So that's going to help. You have Devo, you have Ayuk, you have the core group back. Um, so the passing game, I'm really intrigued to see how it's going to go on primetime at Denver. On the other side, too, running the football, I mean, you really can't make this up. Elijah Mitchell out the first week. He's out for like, I don't know, two months. Just just a bad injury. I think it was MCL related. Tyrion Davis Price, the prize third round pick rookie, um, did very well, all things considered in his season debut um, against Seattle, but he has a high ankle sprain. So he's out, I don't know, like a month, a couple weeks. So lo and behold, you have Jeff Wilson Jr., and you have undrafted free agent rookie. Jordan Mason. They picked up Marlon Mack off the practice squad. I don't know. Um, yeah, just just devastating for the Snyder's team. But we'll see how it goes because, you know, you have this Kyle Shanahan zone running scheme, so it shouldn't matter, right? All right. I'm just intrigued to see how this offense is going to look, if they're going to be more aggressive or if they're going to just continue to do what they do and play Shanahan, Garoppolo football. On the flip side, you know, when the Niners are on the defense and they're going against Russell Wilson, I mean, they know Russell Wilson more than anyone. Up to this point, which is interesting stat that I saw on Twitter, Jimmy Garoppolo has five rushing yards for the season. He only played his first game of the season last week. For two games, Russell Wilson has five rushing yards for the season. So both Jimmy G and Russell Wilson both have five rushing guards, which I did not expect. Uh, Usually Russell Wilson has killed the Niners, just obliterated the Niners with his legs or just scrambling around, finding receivers for that big completion on third down. And not to say that uh, that it's out because, you know, that's what Russell Wilson does. But he hasn't done it yet up to this point, so 
let's see what happens this time around because this might be the call to action for Russell Wilson and this Broncos team to get their shit right. So if I'm the Niners defense, I know that the Broncos have been struggling the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to treat Russell Wilson like the quarterback that has continued to own them for years on end, okay? I know that they might have a couple things up their sleeves. I know it's prime time, and this is a time for the Broncos to double down and really um, get this offense back on track. So the Niners should not take last week's abysmal performance offensively for the Broncos. Don't take that as the keys to the game for this week because it could be completely different, okay? They have a strong run game in Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And from what I understand, Cortland Sutton, he's expected to play. Um, Jerry Judy, he was uh, he was dealing with an injury during the week. I believe he's slated to play. Patrick Sertain, the second-year cornerback, he was dealing with injuries. He's expected to play. So you pretty much have the core group for, for the Broncos, okay? Interesting game. Um, you know, what I will say is, you know, Shanahan, and I know you guys can give shit about Shanahan and his play calling, but Shanahan and, and this coaching staff should be leaps and bounds better than Nathaniel Hackett up to this point from what we've seen. So the details do matter, and if the spread is not as favored by one, it should be a tight game. Um, we'll see. Um, I really don't know what to expect offensively from the Niners. But gut check, maybe this is the Debo game on primetime. Debo, he's he's done well up to this point. He's had a couple of great plays as a runner when you get the ball in his hand, you know, um, wide back, right? He's had a couple of big plays up to this point, but you haven't really seen him ascend as a receiver. So maybe this might be the game because you have George Kittle back in the mix. And obviously he's a great receiver in his own right, but you might see him blocking because he's a great blocker and allow Debo and Ayuk and all these other guys, maybe some Danny Gray, um, to open this passing offense and let it go. Let it go. So coming back to it, this Denver Broncos front seven, their their defense is good, but I think this Niners team and this offense, hopefully you don't get bad, Jimmy, but I think this offense is better. So go ahead and give me the Niners over under 44. Uh, give me the Niners 28-24. 28-24, a nice victory uh, to really put this division in deep conversation. Oh, I've what is going to go down for the rest of the season. All right, guys. So once again, thank you so much for checking out the pod, whether it's on Spotify or iTunes. Check out Instagram, at Just the West, Twitter, at Just the West, and of course, the blog, www.justthewest.com. Until next time, have a good one. Enjoy your Sunday. We out here. Peace.